0: podcast between siblings. I'm your co-host Elizabeth Connor
1: and I'm your co-host Thomas Dempsey and it's a little a little over the wire uh, this week but we've had some stuff keeping us occupied and uh, always happy to be back. Oh yes. Yep Elizabeth just got back from a trip.
0: Yeah um, me and some girlfriends had a little week had a little girls trip to uh to bryson city north
1: carolina okay now where's that relative to what all
0: it is like 45 minutes west of Asheville.
1: you guys got a you just sort of hung out at the place or what yeah
0: so um one of my friends rented a cabin that like she found for a really reasonable price and like the cabin's like right was like right on the river and um and I mean like technically we technically we stayed in town but it didn't feel like it was in town and it was just like really really relaxing um so we pretty much like we went into town Friday night when we got there and Saturday around lunchtime and then for the rest of the time we just kind of hung out at the cabin and you know they brought a bunch of board games and we played those and and just talked and caught Sounds up nice. because we haven't really gotten to hang or at least i haven't gotten to hang out with them in a long time
1: that's cool yeah board games are fun yeah i have a stack of them over here from when i've been uh cleaning my room this past weekend and I had a couple of them still in their plastic wrap, but I had to take that off because Feisty would get in here and start chewing on it. Mm. I Didn't want her choking on anything.
0: Yeah, no.
1: Yeah. What was that it? was my weekend, or my Saturday, rather. I uh, moved a few crates of stuff out of my room and got it a little bit tidied up. Okay. One of those is a big old uh, red Sterilite full of books that I took by 2nd and Charles today after work and got some store credit for. Okay. And uh think now I'm just going to that was like mostly books. I'm fairly certain I'm, I was never going to get around to reading. Mhm. And uh now I'm just going to keep Whitlin away until hopefully I have like enough shelf space for everything that I own that mm-hmm. I'm not just leaving it all stacked in piles. Right. Yeah. And, uh, of course, the dream is to just, like, clear everything out and get some floor-to-ceiling shelves installed. Right. Just have, like, the real, like, wood-paneled office effect. But, uh, that's a whole undertaking that, yeah, sort of exists on the horizon. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. But, uh, yeah, it was nice. It was pretty chill. Good. The work's been fine, uh... Things sort of ebbing and flowing. We've got uh, some good good uh, stuff looking forward to in a few weeks. Yeah. I guess we'll have occasion to talk about more on the show itself. Don't know if we want to leave that as a surprise or not. We can. Yeah, alright. So, in the meanwhile, uh, we can just get to talking about what all we haven't been reading. Uh, other Other than board games and what all, or you can talk board games if you like. What's been up?
0: Well, I was just going to say that one board game that I was introduced to... I mean, I was introduced to a couple of board games. Um, but one board game that I was introduced to that I really really liked um, is the Discworld mm. board game. And Yeah,
1: have you read any of those books?
0: You no, know, because like... I always go... To read those books, but I feel like now you and our listeners like, know I am very much a... I like to start from the beginning and go until I can't go anymore. Sure. Um, and I don't know why. I guess I just need to like sit down and look up like the publication dates for all the Discworld books because the actual okay. like order of the books is very confusing to me.
1: Yeah. Well, I can actually tell you that the first one in the series is called The Color of Magic. Mhm. Because I've read the first two books in the series. In fact, they're the only two books I've read in their entirety. Okay. Because they sort of like they're sort of direct sequels to one another, and uh, then after that, it sort of fractures out into more like discrete storylines, uh, recurring characters in different books and what have you. Okay. But uh, generally speaking, from what I've heard, people say that. Uh, there isn't that great a like emphasis on continuity as far as like individual stories are concerned. Right. And in fact, a lot of people recommend that you not start with his earlier stuff just because they were like among the first books he'd ever written or ever gotten published rather. Mm -hmm. So whatever you may think of them and for what it's worth, I thought they were pretty good, but, uh, Generally speaking, people say that the like later books in the series, like, or more towards the middle thereabouts, Yeah, uh, are much more indicative of what brings people to that series. Okay. But we were talking about the board game. Uh, how was it?
0: It was so fun, and it was one of those things... Okay, so I have like not sat down to play a quote-unquote serious board game in a minute. Yeah. Okay? So, you know... We have been at this point in the night on Saturday. we've been indulging
2: mm-hmm.
0: in some adult beverages and um okay and it, anyway, I like went to go step out of the room, and then when I came back, I see that they're setting up the game, and I was like a little intimidated because like the the artwork is the artwork of the actual board is like very, very intricate, intricate, and very beautiful um and then there's like at least at the time it felt like there was like 8 million pieces. Oh yeah. And I'm sitting here and I'm just like I don't I'm like I I I I don't know. Like I was intimidated cuz I was like I haven't played a game like this in so long. Um Yeah. So, but luckily uh or anyway, the 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 girls I was with, like they knew how to play and it it anyway, it ended up being a lot easier. Than I anticipated, and it was a lot more fun, like okay. a lot more fun than I anticipated. So, yeah, I was like, this this is a game that like I think I would actually want to purchase, like yeah, that I would go cool. out and spend my own money on.
1: Yeah. Um.
0: Oh. So that yeah, sounds
1: like be cool to check out.
0: So there was that, um, and then you know you mentioned. Or I think we've mentioned that last week was my spring break at school. So yep. that was pretty relaxing. We just kind of, except for my trip, we pretty much just hung out at home.
1: Alrighty. And uh, let's see, game-wise, I've been playing around on some stuff. Uh, finished up this game recently called Death's Door. Mm-hmm. And uh, in it you play a little Grim Reaper crow who is traveling around, like, the underworld, basically repossessing souls that have, uh, like, gone past their, uh, like, lifespan. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, a whole plot thread about, like, sort of a corporate conspiracy in the realm of the dead, and you have to go around to all these different uh, areas, like, seeking down people. So it's it's pretty engaging. I only took me about like 10 hours to beat it okay but uh i it's uh had a lot real fun combat and uh had a nice time with that it's kind of awkward because i went ahead and bought it on uh, xbox and then like th- the day or some time when i finally got around to start playing it Mm -hmm. it got added to game pass yeah which is the subscription service that lets you play games for free right and you don't you don't get any kind of like recompense for when that happens if you've like bought a game that they then give you access to yeah so that was a little unfortunate but it wasn't terribly expensive so it was fun okay yeah and uh Let's see. I've been doing other stuff. Uh, went to the movies last week. Saw um, everything, everywhere, all at once. Have you? Is this a movie that's you've heard about or?
0: Uh, maybe. Uh, okay, just say no. Okay, no.
1: Uh, nah, so, um, not. <laughs> so.
0: Okay, just say no.
1: But yeah, it's. It, I think you'd like it. It's um. You know Michelle Yeoh, who was in uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so she plays a uh, sort of middle-aged laundry owner who's being audited by the IRS, and she's like weird place with her marriage, and she's got an estranged relationship with her daughter, and her elderly father has started living with them. And uh, so she's basically just got a lot on her plate. Mm -hmm. And then as they're going in to file their taxes, her husband becomes possessed by the mentality of an alternate universe version of himself, who is a part of a task force dedicated to preserving the multiverse, and who is trying to enlist her help in defeating an interdimensional supervillain. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, so the movie is basically like a uh, midlife crisis movie about all the lives that you didn't pursue, and about drawing upon them, I guess, to, like, affirm your, like, identity and whatnot. So, basically, Michelle Yeoh can tap into the experiences of all the lives that she didn't live in other universes and use that to, like, fight bad guys and stuff.
2: Huh.
0: Yeah, that does sound pretty yeah, interesting.
1: Yeah, it was, it was really good. And it's, like, two and a half hours long, so it's pretty meaty. But uh I never got distracted or bored or anything. And uh Yeah. So and I've and it was funny because like I don't I guess I had started reading Joy Luck Club by that point, but getting into that book and then checking this movie that has a very strong like mother daughter dynamic in it. Yeah. Was also sort of interesting. But uh yeah, so that was really good. It gets a recommendation. Awesome. And, uh, yeah. It was good. Um, been getting back into some manga. Uh, you know about. I, uh, showed you volume one of One Punch Man a while back. And yeah. That's the I, one I about, read like, that book? It was a few years ago, at most, or at least. But, uh, it's the one where, like, it's this sort of fictionalized Japan where, uh, like superheroes basically take on day jobs just fighting villains yeah. and monsters and stuff. And there's this one guy who's gotten so strong that he can beat any monster in one punch. But through various bureaucratic shenanigans, nobody believes he's as strong as he is. Yeah. And so he just sort of like despondent and trying to find meaning in life. And uh, I read a good ways into the series, like in the physical manga. I've got like the first 20 or so volumes mm-hmm. and that's still not even that far into it. That's about like maybe two thirds into what is currently like available on the, uh, the Shonen Jump app. Mm-hmm. So I've been reading more of it on there just because I've been having uh, like spoilers and stuff for it pop up in my f- various feeds. And it's the sort of thing I just wanted to get caught back up on. ...before uh, anything too monumental happened. Okay. So I spent a good bit of uh, Saturday doing that as well. And it's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I've got plenty of those kinds of series I need to get back into. Uh, Just like all along my shelf and whatnot. Mm Mm-hmm. And uh, that's a big part of not why I traded in those books... Specifically, but why I took them to Mr. k's in particular because they have not mr. k's uh second and Charles because they have a very good manga section that you can use all that store credit for yes they do and then like every other yeah every other week or so they have uh like a good sort of special on like bulk purchases mm-hmm. where like you get uh fifteen or so percent off if you spend over like fifty or dollars or what have you yeah. Yeah, so I thought I'd keep an eye on that. But uh, that's most of what comes to mind for the moment. You th- anything else on your mind? Or?
0: Yeah, Um. so I was really scared I was going to lose my job today. Oh no! I mean, like, what not happened? really, but kind of. Um. So, today was my first day back to school from spring break. And yeah. I... And I, um, get that, I get to school for car duty and like, we're getting ready to go in to start the day. And the resource officer goes, Hey, Miss Connor, did you see the bird? And I was like, what bird? Cause I obviously didn't see the bird. And he was like, the bird, it's over there. And I was like, okay. So I'm looking and I can't find it. And he's like, walk a little closer to my, um, walk, walk a little closer to my car and you'll see it. So I do. And then I'm like, well, is it dead? And I start walking towards what ended up being a piece of trash because I thought it was uh-huh. the bird. Yeah. That's when the bird rushes me. Oh. And like comes after my ankles. Oh no. So I I just so anyway, I freak out and I go, "Oh, crap." But I don't say crap. Oh no. And there was still a student outside <laughs> who heard me say this.
1: Oh man.
0: So, I was just like, "Oh, man." And like I could tell that this student heard me because she was like, "Did you hear what?" Because like the the other student that was outside, I don't think they heard me. And she was like, "Did you yeah. hear what Miss Connor said? Did you hear her?"
1: Oh goodness! And I was just like, "Oh, oh you, my That's gosh. when you just that's when you just say that kid's lying.
0: Well, I didn't do that. Um, so I just like I waited till the morning announcements were over, and then like immediately went to the principal and was like, "Hey." This happened with a bird outside. It scared me. I cussed in front of a kid, but I didn't mean to. But I just want to let you know it happened in case she goes home and tells somebody, and then they call up here to the school and say something about it. Have
1: people gotten fired for that sort of thing before?
0: I have. I mean, I'm assuming they have, but my principal just looked at me, and she was like, It's okay. I'm glad it didn't peck you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean... Not to discount or anything, but yeah, it seems... I, I think you were alright.
0: So, I just... Anyway, that that happened this morning. I was like, great, that's a wonderful way to come back to school.
1: Howie. What? Who's this jerk tra- sending you to get attacked by birds? He
0: does, uh, he does this stuff, like...
1: Alright. Well, I'm glad you weren't pecked or fired. Yeah, me too. Yep. Yeah. Is now you can get on here and talk about books. That's right. And uh let's see. We've been going at it a good bit now, so I've got one book apart from our assigned rating to discuss, so you want me to take that on and then when we get back from the break we can uh see what you've been up to?
0: Uh yeah, that'll that'll work.
1: Okay. Yeah, because I've just got the one other book, and it's one I've been working on the better part of the last uh, six weeks or so. It's not that long a book. I just um, sort of have sort of started and stopped it in spurts. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's a sci-fi novel that a friend loaned me because he really enjoyed it. It's called uh, The City and the Stars by mm-hmm. Arthur C. Clarke. And it's the story about this guy named Alvin who lives in this city called Diaspar, I wanna say. It's a walled, sort of like almost globe-like city that exists millions of years into the future and humanity has basically evolved technologically enough that it can sustain its own immortality. So basically people live in this city and uh, they can live for like hundreds of years and then when they do reach a point when where they're gonna die or whatever, they just have their consciousness uploaded to the central computer and then they are effectively like revived however many years later to live again and um, how how what happens is is the main character Alvin. He's, like, reaching the point in his development where he's sort of recognized as an adult, even though, given how society works in this place, childhood isn't really a thing anymore. hmm Basically, like, you're brought into consciousness and you live the first, like, 20 or so years of your life just, like, sort of growing, like, sort of emotionally stable, I guess. Yeah. And then once you reach, like that, uh, turnover point, you start to, like, assimilate with your previous lives' memories. And, uh, when he, when Alvin reaches this point in his development, he is approached by his, like, mentors and parental figures and stuff, and informed that, uh, he does not actually have any previous lives, and that through some sort of quirk in the, uh, like, Central computation system that controls all this stuff. Mm-hmm. He is the first, like newly born person to exist in this society in like, like hundreds of thousands of years.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, in addition to that, or sort of, like keyed into that element of his unique nature is the fact that he has a drive within him to uh, explore the world outside of the city which the rest of the city's inhabitants all have like an ingrained pathological fear of. Yeah. Like nobody like uh, none of like none of them can really think about going outside of the city with any comfort and it's it's sort of like makes makes him kind of like a a curiosity basically. But mm-hmm. the that's what the book is is the story of him like venturing out, finding a way out of the city, learning what else there is like in the world that exists all this time in the future like basically him learning about the interstitial history of humanity from before the city he lives in walled itself off yeah and uh, it's it's pretty interesting like big idea sci-fi like every 50 or so pages it like introducing some new big concept to its setting and like new groups of people emerge and societies and revelations about like the far future humanity and what have you. Mm -hmm. So it's all, it's, it's pretty, it's a little bit dense, but uh, it's pretty engaging. as like an adventure story goes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And Arthur C. Clarke, he's written a bunch of stuff. He wrote, um, I want to say he wrote An- Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which is the book Blade Runner was based on. And he wrote the screenplay and the novel uh, that the screenplay was adapted from of 2001 A Space Odyssey. Mm-hmm. So he's like one of the more prolific sci-fi writers from the mid-century on. And uh, this is the first book I can recall that I've read by him. And uh really enjoyed it, so I'd be interested to check out more. And once again, that was The City and the Stars by um, Arthur C. Clarke. Okay. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the one, uh, one of two books I read for this episode. And uh, you want to talk about what you've been up to reading-wise when we get back? Yeah. Alrighty, we'll do that we'll hear back to y'all in a minute
0: and welcome back to your words against mine a competitive reading podcast between siblings um, so before the break Thomas just got done telling us about the other book that he's read in the interim since our last episode and now it's my turn I guess
1: alright so you had a whole week off last week to just do with you will yeah what, you, what, what kind of hay you been making
0: Um, not, actually not that much. Um, so in addition to our, our, our challenge book, I only read three other books. Okay. Um, and they're all part and they're all from the same series. I've started a new series. Um, that's nice. I really like it so far. It is the Warriors of Valos saga. Um, by Iona Strom. And I've read the first three books. So those would be Silver Savage.
1: Um, How many books are there in the series presently? So
0: far there's eight. Okay. So it's Silver Savage, Silver Seducer, and Silver Savior.
1: Okay. And I'm guessing that uh, this is another alien book? Yep. All right. And what color are they? They're silver. Uh,
0: at huh? technically, technically, their base cut like at like base level they're silver, but um, they have they have scales.
1: Oh uh, okay.
0: That allow them to um, camouflage themselves. Yeah. Because the 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 planet that the book takes place on, Velos, is um very, has a very consistent palette. So, like, everything on the planet is, like, all vegetation, the dirt, uh, the animals, like, everything is, like, as like a variety of shades of, like, blue and silver and gray and white and black. Okay. Um,
1: That's kind of neat.
0: So, like, even... Like when they talk about you know because they're warriors and so they're they're fighting, you know. Whenever the characters get hurt, like even the the natives of the planet, like their blood is blue. Okay. Um. Yeah. So, but they're not yeah. like cold. Like they're not lizard people or anything like that. They just have blue blood and they have scales that allow them to camouflage themselves. Anyway. Um. Yeah. So. The, the series starts off like a lot of these series do a group of women has been abducted by aliens and then the, the ship crashes on this planet in this case a virus has wiped out the female population um, of this planet
1: yeah that'll happen
0: and uh and it turns out that hey guess what they're compatible, so, are
1: compatible.
0: yeah um Now, the thing that is pretty interesting about this series that makes it a little bit different than the other ones I've read is uh, the bad guys are the bad guys uh, of the people who have, um, you know, abducted the women and brought them to the planet. Like, yeah, they are a consistent, malevolent presence throughout the series thus far. Okay, And so the 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 species that has um abducted these women they are called the gratolics, and basically yep. they kind of look like your stereotypical like you know green men from Mars or gray men from Mars in this case um yeah, and they have jacked up like super sharp jacked up teeth, and the way that they take over planets is they uh they can get they they have the like as a species they have the the ability of mind control Okay However they cannot control the thoughts and actions of humans Uh-oh So humans are immune but the yeah. the natives of Velos or the Velosians they are not immune Right And Also, similarly to another series that I read, you remember the gargoyle one where it was like,
2: you
0: know, like they would meet their mate and and events would happen. And then like their heart, which was encased in stone, would like break free of its stone prison. Anyway, so something very similar happens to the biology of these men Um, whenever they meet their soulmate. And it's like they're literally called spirit mates when they meet their spirit mate. It awakens what is called their ancillary heart, Mm -hmm. which basically the only purpose for the ancillary heart is to pump the hormone adrenaline (laughs) through their body so that they are better able to protect their mate. Okay. Because, you know, their regular heart can't do that. It's too busy keeping them alive, I guess. Right. So that's what's going on. So now you've just now you've discovered that in the book, when the book starts, you basically think, okay, well, like a political coup or not coup coup has happened on the planet. And that's why there's unrest. Well, it's a lot more complicated than that. Right. Because the Gritalics have used mind control to cause to seemingly cause the coup but there's obviously like there's more nefarious things happening and i actually and even though i'm 3 books in i have yet to find out what they are
1: okay well that sounds interesting
0: yeah it's pretty interesting uh,
1: yeah now is the series done at this point or is it just like up to 3 bo- mm, uh, eight books
0: i think it's just up to 8 well okay. i don't I don't know because there's eight there were eight females on the ship, but the author left herself room to add a crap ton more because in one of the books they find basically a storage facility with hundreds of human women that have been abducted and are basically like nope. in stasis. yeah. So I don't know if it's going to be like the, uh, you know, the Ice Barbarian one where it was like, how many books were in that? 13?
1: Yeah, it was a big one.
0: And then there's, and then it turns out there's a spinoff series that's like an additional 13 books. Yeah. So I don't know if she's set herself up for something like that. I'm not sure.
1: Okay. That's pretty cool though. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about it in the weeks to come.
0: Yeah. I've already started on book four.
1: Alrighty. Okay. So, that uh, sets us up to start talking uh, Joy Luck Club? Yep. Uh, Elizabeth assigned us to read uh, Joy Luck Club, which I'd heard about. I believe there's a film adaptation, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, I uh, had heard of it, but I hadn't um. seen anything Uh, seen anything of the film, and I'd never read the book before, so I was interested to learn what was going on, and uh, yeah, you want to lead us in with a sort of recap of what the book's about?
0: Yeah, so, uh, okay, well, here's why I assigned the book, because I actually didn't know what it was about when I assigned the book for our challenge, Um, so I assigned the book because I knew... Asian American History Month was coming up soon ish. I don't know if it's April it might be May. I'm not exactly sure um right so that was so that was one reason and because this is a book of I knew it was a book about um asian American women, and I knew it was written by an Asian American author. Okay. I didn't know it was about. Uh, you know, I didn't realize it was so much about the relationship between mothers and daughters as it was. Right. And also just like, I feel like, I feel like in my history of just being a reader, I feel like this book's just always been on the periphery. Sure. Periphery. And I just never read it. And I don't know why I never read it.
1: Part of it for me, I think Is it seems like one of those books you probably feel like you already own, like just by virtue of the fact that you go to bookstores and places like that and you see it everywhere. So at some point you assume like, yeah, no, I picked that up used maybe sometime. Yeah. And you just assume it's like on a shelf or in a box and you'll get around to reading it eventually. But yeah. So uh, yeah, that uh, that was sort of the case with me. When you first assigned it, I had to stop and think, "Do I own this?" Right. And uh, yeah, but uh, not to my knowledge. So I got it on the library app, and uh, it was a bit of a close call because uh, this past weekend I was still needing to finish it, and the uh, like the checkout was set to expire on Saturday.
0: Right. row? And,
1: and there was a hold on it. Mm. so i i had to return it and then presume like just presume that if i couldn't get it back in time i'd have to like buy a digital copy or do whatever mm-hmm. but uh the, 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 but who i guess whoever had placed the hold like didn't need it straight away or had changed their mind because i was able to get it again pretty quickly so i uh, finished it up in a good amount of time okay yeah, so uh, that's my way of saying yes, that I did read the book for the assignment, and I'm uh, assuming you did as well?
0: I did, yes. I loved okay.
1: it. Uh, I really liked it, too. I was, I mean, I never knew it was a, uh, I mean, it, it it's billed as a novel, and I guess it can sort of function as such, mm-hmm. because all the stories are, like, interconnected. Right. But at the same time, it feels more like, a short story collection.
0: Yeah. No, I 100% agree.
1: Yeah. But I, I like that about it. I like short stories. I like the way a lot of these stories are framed. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, uh, you'll have the mothers sort of recounting events from their, uh, lives in China. And sort of, like, framing that against their present day lives in, uh, San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Which which stories did you prefer, the mom stories or the daughter stories? Uh. And I guess you don't need to, like, view it as one versus the other, but yeah, I feel like I, they've both I'm, got very distinct sort of vibes to each of them.
0: Because I liked both, but I guess obviously as a daughter, I related more to the daughter's stories.
1: Okay. And I was gonna say I I related more to the mom stories, and that might just be like the non-daughter, like <laughs> aspect of my experience. But also, I just well, we can get into it. But that's just sort of where I felt landed on it. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the way I really appreciate the structure of the book for mm-hmm. those who haven't read it, it's uh, a collection of about sixteen or so short stories, each of them focusing on. Uh, one of eight women, four mothers, and four daughters. And uh, the first four stories in the book are each from the perspective, more or less, of one of the mothers. Yeah. And then the two middle portions of the book are each two stories of each of the daughters. So you'll get, like, four stories from each of the moms then four stories from each of the daughters, then another four stories from each of the daughters, and then it r- wraps up with another four stories from each of the moms.
2: hmm
1: Yeah. And uh, the thing I uh, enjoy about that is, like, the first four stories by the moms are you know, engaging and, like, well-written, and then you get to the stories about their daughters, and the perspective of the mothers in those stories is drastically different because obviously it's not the first person perspective that the mothers have in their own stories. You're seeing these characters like from another character's perspective and an especially sort of contentious perspective as that. Yeah. So, uh, so then you've got like eight full stories of these girls wrestling with their conception of and their relationship with each of their moms. And then, finally, at the end of the book, you get brought back into the perspective of each of the mothers and it really sort of reasserts, or like recontextualizes everything that you've been reading up to that point in a way that sort of catches you off guard.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, hold on a second. My earbud earbud died.
1: The other one? You need any earbuds?
0: Um... I misplaced, like, my good pair again. I, I think I know where they are. I just couldn't find them right before this. So I'm using, um, like, the the AirPod fakes that I have. And, like, I don't know. They just die super quick.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm still using the pair I have. And they've, I guess their charge ain't been holding up. But at the very least, like, they should see me through the end of this recording. So, yeah. I don't know. Is it's weird? Think conceiving of, uh, Bluetooth earbuds, versus the old uh, like analog earbuds. Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, like when you bought like a twelve dollar pair of earbuds at a convenience store or wherever, you pretty much resigned yourself to the fact that six months down the road you're gonna have to throw those away. Right. But when you buy like these Bluetooth earbuds and they have like the charging case and everything. You presume that's like a more like substantial investment. Mm-hmm. And I guess this pair has been running me a good long while, but I guess maybe they aren't designed to work forever, I guess.
0: I guess. Um Yeah. Side note, so you know you know Chrissy Teigen, right? I, uh, yeah. Okay. Uh John Legend's wife. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So her mom is Ty. I believe. And when the AirPods first came out, um she thought she did A, she did not realize what AirPods cost. Oh. And two, she thought they were disposable.
1: Oh no. So
0: she was using the AirPods and then throwing them away.
1: That is grotesque.
0: But it was because she didn't realize that they were as expensive as they were when they first came out.
1: Okay. Alrighty. So, uh, anyway, uh, what, uh, okay. We've talked about the structure of the book. Mm
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And,
0: um. And, like, generally what it's about.
1: Generally what it's about. We hadn't talked about the characters. I've got the, the, uh, the page pulled up here on my phone. It's the mothers and the daughters. Yeah. You've got, uh. Su Yan Wu and her daughter Jing Mei. Yep. There's An Mei Su and her daughter Rose. There's uh Lindo Jong and her daughter Waverly. And then there's Yingying Sinclair and her daughter Lena. Now, can you recall exactly what stories correlate to what characters? Um. Because, honestly, looking back, I... I remember relationships, like yeah. what the character did that did what, or the character related to who, being involved with whoever. But I'm not as like easily placing names to people, and that's like an uh, extension of a problem I have in real life, where I'm good with faces, but I'm real bad with names.
0: Right. Um. Basically. Right. So to be honest, the only ones that I could really like keep up with were um, were Ying Ying and, and Lena because that was sure. the only interracial relationship.
1: Yeah, and that uh, dynamic uh, of the relationships, I think is uh, like sort of given a special point of emphasis in their respective stories. But I uh, I I know that Jing Mei is sort of the, uh, sort of default main character. Uh, cause at the beginning of the book, she's the daughter of one of the mothers who has passed away, and so she is made an honorary inductee into this Joy Luck Club, which is basically a uh, mahjong group of these four mothers who get together like once a month or however often. Yeah. Yeah and at the her first meeting with these mothers they uh revealed to her this letter that her mother had received from a pair of daughters that she had been forced to give up during the sec well, i guess not if it was the second world war or not maybe i guess it was world war 2 that this happened that See, I uh, feel her like, mother had I feel yeah. like
0: the war that was being talked about happened a lot earlier than the 40s
1: yeah, but then, like, you trace out, like, the ages of people, and you sort of have to figure that it had to be at some, at, like, about that time. Yeah. And I and I, I just presumed it was, like, an aspect of World War II, that uh, Pacific campaign that, basically, American media just doesn't focus on as much. Right. But, like, obviously, like, Japan was an Axis power at the time, and they were invading China, so... That was uh, um, that was going on. So I just yes?
0: lo- so I just looked it up and it says, the second. It says second Sino-Japanese War, the second, and this is on Wikipedia, so you know do right. with that what you will. Um, it okay. says the second Sino-Japanese War, which occurred from thirty-seven to forty-five.
1: Okay, so it was like congru like congruous with World War Two.
0: Right, and it uh, okay. It was waged between the Republic of China and the Empire of Japan. The war made up the Chinese theater. The war made up the Chinese theater of the wider Pacific theater of the Second World War. Okay. China fought Japan with aid from the Soviet Union and the United States. Right. Okay. And then Pearl Harbor happened in forty-one. So that's kind of yeah. Yeah.
1: Okie doke. So that's uh. Some context for those. Uh, Obviously, all the mothers in the Joy Luck Club were um, immigrants from China to America. And most of them, if not all of them, I believe were driven to immigrate as a result of the war.
0: Yeah, that was my understanding.
1: Yeah, there's that specter of it that sort of hangs over much of their backstory. I think maybe the reason you might have thought it was much earlier than that is because some of the stories that were told feature like much younger versions of the moms.
0: Yeah, that that is very that is really quite possible.
1: Yeah, because there's a couple stories where like some of the moms are like le- like le- less than 10 years old. Mm-hmm. And at that point they'd probably be like Japan in the 19 or China in the 1920s if not earlier yeah yeah and uh so that that could account for that and because these stories are all kind of shuffled up the timelines aren't like totally easy to keep straight in your head Mm -hmm. yeah so uh but yeah like individual stories like are very coherent and like parsable so it's that's why it sort of makes for a a consumable read as a short story collection. Mm-hmm. And then like after the fact, when you're sort of putting these ideas and characters together in your mind, you sort of come away with the image of like the full novelistic sweep of the thing.
2: Mhm.
1: Yeah. So, uh, what, uh, what stories stood out to you?
2: I had
0: them in my brain. I was like ready to talk about them.
1: Yeah. I, I got the, uh, the, uh, table of contents here okay so well, i mean i've got it yeah.
0: i've got it here in front of me too um
1: let's see i uh I want, I, maybe it's uh oh the moon lady was a uh, uh early one i really enjoyed oh yeah i did, one I about, did
0: like that one
1: yeah I, I got big like summertime family reunion vibes from that one mm-hmm. obviously there's like the cultural like divides but everything about just like Going out with groups of people and getting separated and getting into trouble and whatnot,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like really sort of, uh, got me nostalgic. And then, uh, and uh, oh, the one story right after that, Rolls of the Game," which is the story about the chess mat, the chess Yeah, master.
0: I really like that one.
1: Yeah, I, especially I. That got me back in the old uh, Queen's Gambit mindset. I feel like chess is a weirdly like engaging topic for literature. Yeah. Yeah. Probably because like so much of it is just like like internal strategizing.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So like, yeah. I but, you know. Uh, yeah. For
0: as much as I like board games, like, I just remember I was always super terrible at chess.
1: Yeah, I never really put that much uh, practice into it.
0: I can't even I, remember who... Of... Uh, did anybody actually teach us, or did they just give us a book yeah, and say, think, here?
1: Yeah, I think we just gave us a book and uh, walked us through it. Uh, I, I definitely played a lot of checkers with Granddad. Yeah, yeah. A lot of regular but, checkers
0: uh, and the other ver- and the other one.
1: Yeah. But uh yeah, not much chess. Um
0: the the you know the one that's in that same little grouping uh with Rose. To be yes. honest, I kept forgetting that that was her name. Um
1: uh-huh, half okay. and half. Yes.
0: Like I like that one also really resonated with me because you know because I felt like, you know, it, it kind of dealt with it dealt with her from two different parts of her life. It you know, so like you get a view as to what's going on in her life as an adult because she's separating from her husband and she's going through a divorce. And then, it, and then you see, um, you know, and then you get a flashback into her past, which is real, which is about her, but it's more about her mother and a change that happened in her mother.
1: Right. Now, um, is that the one with the beach trip? Yes. Okay. Cause it's it's sort of it's the, the story right after that is called Two Kinds. Mm-hmm. And I feel like between half and half and two kinds. And there's a later story called Double Face. Yeah. And like the theme of duality and uh, like antithesis and what what and whatnot is very prevalent in a lot of these stories mm-hmm. and that can kind of make it a little more tricky to keep them separate in your head.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. But, uh, yeah, those both those stories are really good. Can I just say one thing? What's that? And I, I totally get how this is going to come off, but I'm just going to sort of roll with it. V- uh, most of the men in this book suck.
0: Yeah, no, they do.
1: Yeah. 100%. And I don't know if that's just a quality of the... If that's just, like, sort of part and parcel with the perspective of it. Because, like, you're never really given, like, the same interiority of the male characters that you do for the uh, the moms and the daughters. Yeah. And that's, like, not to say that it's required. But, like, I think with the exception of uh, Jing Mei's dad.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Who is, like, this uh, grieving widower is coming to terms with like the, the life that his wife left behind before they immigrated. Yep. Like especially with all of the characters who have like uh, married Westerners. hmm There's like just a cultural divide that lays bare a lot of like uh, misogyny and sort of uh, just like prejudice that these women have to deal with from the men in their lives. And it is... Uh, it's just not 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 fun.
0: Yeah. No.
1: And, uh, but th- then like I feel like it's interesting because when you're reading the daughter chapters, the mothers are also generally painted with a bit more of a broad brush. Mm-hmm. When not not, and then which is of course what makes it so effective when you like are reading the mother chapters and going back at the end of the book and getting those stories from them and sort of fleshing out both the images that these characters have of themselves and of each other Mm -hmm. and getting a much more and that's what the book is about so it's makes sense that uh it would choose to focus on that and not the the perspective of any of the male characters so i'm not complaining about it i just it's something that like when you're reading a story that involves like somebody going through a divorce or somebody th- stressing about introducing their husband to their parents and you're like you're just kind of like got that you're just sort of like evaluating them as you're reading it along and you're like man these guys are chumps yeah yeah
0: i also feel but i also feel like that's pretty common whenever you have books that are mostly about women because the author kind of just tends to write about what the men do okay or what the men say and it's not so like you don't really like the like if the woman is mostly or if the book is mostly about women and the inner workings and their thoughts and things then the author is not putting that kind of time and thought into writing about the thoughts of the male characters right um and if you're looking at a lot of men, just on the surface level,
1: yep, we suck.
0: You said it. I didn't. So yeah.
1: <laughs> but uh, yeah. So um, let's see. Uh, we talked about a couple of the stories, and then um, then we you talked about two kinds and whatnot. Uh, rice husband. That one. I, I was really, like, taken with the stories about, like, uh, like, um, like, superstition. hmm Like, there was the, like, in, um, Half and Half, where it deals, like, with the things that this one mother goes through as she's, like, grieving the loss of a child. Yeah. Um. And, uh, yeah, and then there's, like, Rice husband with, which deals with this girl's, like, sense of grief over, or a sense of guilt over, Uh, something that she did when she was younger. Right. Yeah.
0: Um, going back to half and half, I just thought it was telling how the mother went from religion to, I guess, like superstitious or like not religious or at least not, not Western religion. Um, okay. Okay. How she went yeah. from you know how basically it, it kind of felt like she did both. It was like she appealed to yeah. the God and the and customs that, of the Western religion that she was familiar with, and then when she felt like that didn't work, she went back to the um, superstitions and yeah. customs and practices that she grew up with.
1: Yeah, and it and it sort of spoke speaks to like the that impact of grief on a person. Yeah, to like like sort of find find some find yourself set adrift and grasping for comfort and uh, I feel like that aspect of the book is pretty even handed. Mm-hmm. With, with the like framing device of the Bible under the table. Let's see. Yeah, there was, I feel like there was an element of, and, it, and this always goes with like stories that are being told in the past tense. Yeah. There's this element of uh, foreboding to it mm-hmm. that uh, It's obviously an affecting dramatic device because you know something's going to happen. But then, like, as you're reading it, you almost get the sense like... You almost get the sense like it being told in the past tense imbues the events with a a greater sense of uh, accountability. Mm -hmm. Like, the fact that these characters are recalling what happened rather than actively experiencing it makes them more culpable. Yeah. Yeah. Which might then be said to like speak to that theme of guilt and uh, how it plays out in a lot of the different stories in this book. Because like all these characters have like regrets from their childhood and that have sort of like uh, echoed out into the people they've grown up to be and Uh, events in their past like in their lives in other countries that sort of shaped them for better and for worse Mm -hmm. and uh, it's really all just sort of culminates in this sense of like coming to terms with who you are and coming to embrace the people around you
2: Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so I think that's what I found most affecting about it Mm -hmm. any other thoughts?
0: not really, I've pretty much said all i guess i guess, I, I, guess are, I guess the yeah. only other thing i would add is um you know i feel because like a lot of the daughters you know when she's writing it like a, at least from the adult like or when they're adults like they're pretty much all in their 30s right so they're like my age right. um and i guess that's another reason why i love the book so much is like they would talk about their relationship with their mothers and and granted you know me and our mom have A wonderful relationship and we are very very close but there were there were shadows that I recognized sure in the adult daughter stories right that and like those and I think that was another reason why those resonated with me because it's like while I know that I have a very strong solid positive relationship with my mom I do still see what you're talking about happening in my life as well
1: okay so yeah Yeah, that's good I think that's a good place to uh, cut off we both really enjoyed reading uh, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan and uh, that sort of gets added to the pile for our reading goals Mm -hmm. and now we want to talk about where we stand uh For our words?
0: Yeah. um, Hold on, let me pull it up.
1: All right, I can go ahead. So, like I said, I read The City and the Stars by Arthur C. Clarke, with a word count of 91,665, and The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan, with a word count of 97,739, which brings my... Uh, Word total up from last time at 1,579,032 to the present 1,768,437. And that puts me at about 200,000 words above where I was last Mm -hmm. uh, year, this same time. And uh, puts me at about 40% of the way. Through last year's reading goal, which I guess has me on pace to finish or to catch up to it around October.
0: Yeah, I would say so.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah.
0: And then my reading total. So I read the three, the first three books in the Warriors of Veloz Saga and then Joy Luck Club. Um, So my subtotal since our last episode was 238,097 words, which brings my current word total... Up to 3,449,992 words, and that currently puts me at 34% of my word count from last year.
1: Okay. You got another book for us? Yep, sure do. Let's have it.
0: All right, so let me ask you a question. I'm listening. Would you rather read something from a series or would you rather read a standalone novel?
1: You know what? Let's say series.
0: Okay, cool. So Mother's Day is next weekend. No, in two weeks. I'm sorry. Mother's Day is in two weeks. So in honor of our mother, the author that I picked is one of her favorite authors. Okay. So what we will be reading for the next time, for my, you know, next time it comes around to me, uh, we are going to be reading Sullivan's Island, A Low Country Tale by Dorothea Benton Frank.
1: Oh yeah, I've heard of Dorothy a bit and Frank. I don't. Yeah, I've never read anything by her.
0: I actually, because I knew Mom loved her, and um, the guy I was dating at the time was the a manager for Books a Million. Um, right. She did a book signing at the Books a Million in Columbia when I lived there, and my ex was able to get me was able to purchase me two books. And was able to get me into the book signing so i was able to sign get a book for me and get a book for mom and that was that happened i think like four years before she died
1: oh because dorothea
0: benton frank died in
1: 2019 okay man so so uh what what's the title of that book again a low country what's
0: it well that's the series a low country tale is the series Um, We're going to be reading Sullivan's Island, which is not only the first book in the series, but it's also her first book ever published. Wow. It was published in 99.
1: Man. 1999. So that means she was only writing for about 20 years.
0: Yeah. Um, I don't... I looked up her biography, and I don't think she... She started writing because she wanted to purchase the family home on Sullivan's Island after her mom died in 93. All right. And she was never able to purchase the family home, but she did purchase another home in Sullivan's Island.
1: All right. Well, I look forward to reading that. Yeah. I think that'll make a good return to form for when we uh, finish up next episode, which has us talking about a visual novel, Mm -hmm. which uh, I believe you uh, picked up. When you swung by here the other day. I did. Yep. All right. And you can uh, let us know what you think about that. And uh, until then, though, uh, why don't you tell people where they can find us?
0: Sure. So you can find us um, on our socials on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and Literally Club at Your Words Podcast. You can also find us on our website at yourwordspodcast.com. And you can always shoot us a comment, a question, or a recommendation um, to our email at yourwordspodcast at gmail.com.
1: And as always, we'd appreciate it if you'd leave us a like, a rate, a review at wherever you get your podcasts from.
0: Yes, please.
1: Uh, yep. Always appreciate it. And always enjoy talking with you, Elizabeth. You too. That's right. So now, going to get off the phone. Good. Uh, this episode up but before we do that goodbye
2: goodbye